Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Boy, Brian, I will tell you that it is uh, could be a real disaster as far as closing 55 because there's so many tractor trailers that go north and south on that. I don't know which. Yeah. You know, and this direct. is southbound. Southbound. Yeah, Imperial, Maine. So, yeah. I mean, on those, once you get off that highway, there's some pretty tight turns and everything else on 61, 67. So that's going to be a real disaster. Yeah. If you can avoid it for a while, I, I would recommend that. Yeah. I totally agree with you. But thanks. Stop for biscuits and gravy at one of the fine establishments before you get there. How's that? <laughs> you mean throwed rolls? Hey, that'll work. A little further south than that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving you the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120 to get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. Thanks for having me on your show, and by giving a call, we can talk about the ups and downs and all arounds. Yes, you can go out and get some pansies if you want some annuals. If you want to have some, you know, let's say color, if you're buying asters or mums, realize that the bloom season is going to be somewhat limited. Those are perennial plants, and so consequently, if you're buying them budded, they're probably going to take a week or two before the flowers are going to actually open. And then you have about 7 to 10 X amount of days while they will still be giving you some color. Bulbs, I've talked about those in the first hour, but buying your spring flowering bulbs, you can certainly do that now. You can go to Brightside St. Louis and get some. They've actually got one, a Darwin tulip called Brightside Red. I got uh, 200 of those myself. How about your edibles? You know, your cool season vegetables, warm season vegetables, tomatoes, and all that other stuff. They may still flower. There's probably not going to be any fruit set. And the ones that are green, the tomatoes, uh, the chances of them ripening up and turning red, hmm, somewhat limited. So better learn how to enjoy fried green tomatoes. Your ground covers? House plants, lawns, perennials, roses. Don't cut your roses back yet. Your shrubs, if you prune on spring flowering shrubs, so in other words, lilacs, forsythias, spireas, and all those type things, it doesn't hurt them to prune them this time of year. But what you do is just you mean what's going to happen is the flowering is going to be limited. It's going to be less. So your vines and your water gardens as well as your trees. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. And uh, Greg is here producing again, and uh, he will answer the phone. Just give him your name and where you're calling from, and that's about all you need to do. So uh, during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and uh, we can talk about things that you are think are problematic, whether they're problems, whether they're aesthetic, whether they're actually physical, it doesn't really matter. And uh, you can just go to my website, as I said, go to the homepage, my email address and phone number right there, and I'll come and do a walk and talk in your yard. 
Now, a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. I'll tell you what. The entrance to Tower Grove Park, the planting they do in those bed spaces is just absolutely amazing. And actually, I have seen, which you think, how could a park do this? They're, you know, they've, because it's been so dry, this, in theory, moderate drought, as I saw on TV before the show began, it's not a moderate drought, it's dry. But uh, they were actually having to have a regular kind of sprinkler system or a sprinkler, you know, to water the plant material. But it is, they've done a fantastic job on the entrances, all the entrances, basically, to Tower Grove Park. And Tower Grove Park is actually started part of the Missouri Botanical Garden historic aspects because Henry Shaw, you know, started Tower Grove Park there. Another thing Henry Shaw did, uh, pollution in St. Louis when the Missouri Botanical Garden was starting, which, you know, we used to call it Shaw's Garden and all this other stuff, got pretty bad. And so he actually bought some property out in Gray Summit, which is now the Shaw Nature Reserve, and consequently he bought it with the idea if the pollution got worse and worse and worse here in the city, he was going to move the Botanical Garden out to Gray Summit. So that's what the history of Tower Grove Park, Missouri Botanical Garden, and Shaw Nature Reserve. All this one gentleman who just sold hardware during the Great Migration across the United States to the West Coast or just to the West, that's what he did for us. So he gets a tip of the trial as well. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, to the phones we go, and George from South County will be first this hour. Hi, George. Hey, Mike. I got several real quick questions. Okay. I went out and bought your book. Uh, it's got a green cover. I haven't had a chance to look at it. But does it tell me how to prune all my bushes? Uh, green cover? Is that month-by-month gardening? No. No, no, no. This, it's, uh, gosh. You know, I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> well, but if it's month-by-month gardening, there will be you know things about pruning on certain months and things like that. Now, if it's the other one, which I don't think this one is, that just lists 165 plants and how to care for them. Yeah, that's the one I have. Okay, so then that doesn't talk too much about pruning at all. It's, you know, what you can expect out of this plant in our environment. So, in other words, this tree is oh. going to do this, this shrub's going to do this, this perennial is going to do this, this ground cover is going to do that. Okay, okay, okay. And then um, I use Hansen's Mix in all my flower beds, mm-hmm. but it appears to me that I need to use a mulch on top of that. Is that is that correct? Yeah, they're two different things. The Hansen mix goes into the soil, and the mulch is a top dressing for conserving okay. moisture, all those type things. And then the mulch then breaks down and actually adds to the soil as well. So you're right. So I have spots in my yard that when I was fertilizing, my fertilizer broke, and I dropped Ooh. copious amounts of fertilizer in spots in my yard. Uh, so what I was going to do was rake it out, cover it with Hansen's mix, seed it, and then put straw over it. You're probably not going to have much luck because, you know, if the fertilizer hit this spot and stayed there and burned spots, that spot, that soil has been really, really damaged. So you're going to have to dig down there, get some of that soil out, and actually blend stuff in with it, and then just wow. keep your fingers crossed. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Right. And your and your website. What is it, please? It's MikeMillerDesigns.com. 
Okay, thank you very much. Yep. And the reason why I'm saying that, too, is years ago, Kevin Colleen, <laughs> his fertilizer spreader didn't work so well, and he pushed it across his yard. He wasn't paying too much attention, obviously, and he scorched his lawn. I mean, it was just, it was terrible, terrible. But anyway, now let's go to Swansea and into Anita's yard. Hi, Anita. Hi, Mike. Hi. I love your show, kiddo. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I'm calling about, uh, <clears throat> I hired somebody to come and co-orate my yard mm-hmm. and plant grass seed. Well, they haven't gotten here yet. Uh, they said they would be here at the end of September, the 1st of October, but I haven't seen them yet. But <clears throat> What I want to know is, uh, and the the, the uh, mulch, I mean the compost, how much right. compost do I put on top of that? Basically, any place between a half inch and an inch. You don't want any deeper than an inch. So around okay. a half inch. About a half inch, okay. Yeah. And is there any way that I will be able to uh, put down some fertilizer after that, or is it too late? No, no, you can put, you know, if we're talking about a cool season lawn that you have, fescue or bluegrass, this is the time of year when you want to fertilize. Well, yeah, but would it do anything to the grass seed? Um, Well, with the grass seed, you put a seed starter fertilizer, so it'll say that right on the bag. And then the next month, the the next month after it's put down, you get a, a fertilizer that says winterizer. Oh, okay. Well, I got both of those. Okay. Winterizer and, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, seed star- starter. Seed starter. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. And <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I want to uh, put a tree in my front yard. It's not very big, but my house faces west, and I get all the hot sun in the uh, towards the well three o'clock or four o'clock, and the sun starts shining, and um, you can't sit on the porch or anything. Uh, what kind of a tree would be best that's not going to be spread out everywhere? You know, <laughs> my yard's not very big. Well, I, you, I mean, there's up straight up. Yeah, there's a couple different choices. Now, realize if you put a tree in, it's not going to provide shade for about 15 years or so. Oh, well, is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to provide a little bit, but you're not going to get a whole bunch of shade. But my tendency would be there's something called a golden rain tree if you want something that flowers in the summertime. There's actually a type of maple called ammer maple. Those are more or less smaller trees that uh, you know you could certainly use. If you want to use something a little bit more ornamental, you could use some of the varieties of crab apples would work well. Red buds would work well in that circumstance. There is a variety of red bud that has a purplish leaf. Then the Japanese maple. So you've got, I mean, a considerable choice. I would, you know, if you have a smaller yard, I'd stay away from the traditional type maples, oaks, ashes, and things like that. Yeah, what was the golden, what was it? It's called golden rain tree. Rain, okay. Right. Okay, and how how close to the uh, street? How or how far away from the street? I would probably have a tendency not to put anything. Do you have a sidewalk? No. Okay, so no sidewalk in Swansea. But anyway, at least where you live, uh, I probably wouldn't put it any closer than about ten feet from the street. No. Okay, ten feet from the street. Okay, one more question. I can't remember the name of the uh, the grass. Ca- uh, the yeah. It's not St. Augustine, or it's a creeping kind of grass that you mentioned in another show uh, that kills it. Or oh, you mean Bermuda? Yeah, Bermuda. That's okay. The... Now, this the product that I mentioned was is called a claim, A-C-C-L-A-I-M. The only way, apparently, Hummer Seed Company does not carry it, so you're going to have to go online to get it. 
Okay. And okay. it's rel- I mean, it's a concentrate. It's relatively expensive. I won't fool you. I don't care. I'm I'm sick of this. Uh, Bermuda. (laughs) Yeah, Bermuda. Right. A-C-C-L what? Just like a claim. A-C-C-L-A-I-M. Oh, okay. Okay. L-A-I-M. Okay, I'm a grandma, so I'm a little slower than um, you are, I know. (laughs) What? I'm 68. Well, I'm 81. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You're really... I got you, right? (laughs) Yes, you do. Okay. Well, that's my question. I thank you very much. I love your show every Saturday morning. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Let's go to John in South County. John, how are you? Hi, Mike. Hi. I got a question about poinsettia. Uh Uh-huh. I've got one here. It's in a six-inch pot. We've had it three or four years. It's about 24 inches tall. We put it outside. Mm -hmm. I want to prune it down a little, and then we're going to set it in the kitchen out of the sun under a on a shelf and try to get the bracts to come out. How far down do I prune it? I wouldn't cut more than a third of it off. Okay, because I got I got old wood at the bottom and about two thirds of the way up it, I start getting green right. wood. So do I take it below the green wood? No, definitely do not do that. And unless you desperately gotta prune it, I would say just leave it alone. Have you ever had the bracts turn the colors? Yes, last okay. year we had a few. Okay, then but I'd uh, like to get more. Yeah, trying to get more. You're probably, regardless of how how well the poinsettia is doing or anything else, the bracts you're only going to get about four or five on each stem. Well, I'd like to get just one on each stem. <laughs> you're not going to get just one. You're just, I mean, it'll make a circle. They're really just modified leaves, is what they are. They're right. not anything special. They're not a flower, nothing. So it's just a modified leaf that in Mexico, where they're native to, they use that coloration to bring in things to pollinate because their flowers are tiny. Well, they get to be tall trees. Well, they don't in Mexico, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, we, we've. You know, we've national about this. This one here is about twenty-four inches tall. Right. So I wouldn't six-inch pot. Should it go in a bigger pot? Yeah, probably. I put it in a bigger pot. Okay. And then you think I could take uh, three or four inches off the top? Yeah, give it a shot and see what happens. I mean, would would that help it flower? No, that's not going to make that much difference. To be honest, it won't. No. Okay. All right. Now, second question: Echinacea. We bought some cone flowers. How do they? How do they? They're, they're they're supposed to be perennial. How do they propagate? Do they self seed? They will self seed, but they also come back from the root system. So they they'll will. drop seed. They'll come back from the root system reliably year in year out. Now, do they need? Uh, they need to be in full sun. Full sun is ideal for them. Part sun, you're not going to get as much flowering. You're not going to get the foliage or you know it looking as good or anything else. Well, let's let's talk numbers here. <laughs> What's part sun? Let's say it's only going to get like four or five hours of sun a day versus eight to ten hours a day. Okay. All right. I understand. I, I, I can deal with that. Okay. All right. Thanks an awful lot. Yep. Thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, out to St. Charles we go, and we're going into Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Hello. Hi. I'm having a question about... Um, I'm having a brain brain freeze. Uh, wisteria. Okay. I'm cutting the wisteria down because it is becoming so invasive. Right. It's totally invasive. Oh, yes. It has all these little runners along the base of a wall. Right. I have cut the 
plant itself down to about three inches from the ground, do I have to cut off all those vines that are growing along the, the wall, too? Yeah, if you don't, I mean, the, they're still attached to the root system. The root system's still viable unless you've yanked the root system out. So, yes, you're going to have to. Now, another option, I don't know what, you know, is running along this wall or anything. If there's other plant material, it's almost too late to do it. But maybe next year, once you start to see some foliage come out of those runners, then just get some Roundup for killing woody plants and start spraying the Roundup on it if you want. Well, I had thought about taking some of that. Um, it's not Roundup. It's the stuff you put on a plant when you cut it down and you put it on the root. Yeah, stump killer or whatever. Yeah. Would that work? Uh, it probably should, yes. But uh, I'm just the roundup you're putting. It, uh, yeah, go ahead and try that. But if that does, if you're not satisfied with the way that works, you're going to have to drill holes in the stump that you've cut down and just put the stump killer into that. That you know you're not going to do anything to the runners. And then once that will go down into the stump and then kill the root system off, it may take a couple years, and then finally those runners will die off. Uh, runners are about 20 foot long. Whoa! Yeah. I'm not a hand. <laughs> yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. And wisteria is totally wild, totally crazy. I mean, it is totally, when it comes to the growth, it can pull the trellises across or apart. It can pull arbors apart and everything else. That's what it did. Right. Oh, gosh. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, good luck with that. And again, if the stump killer doesn't work, go ahead and get the Roundup. But you have to get Roundup for killing woody plants. I think on the label it'll say Roundup, Poison Ivy Killer, and Woody Plant Killer. So now let's go to back to Fenton. I think we were there earlier, but this time going into Jack's yard. Hi, Jack. Good morning, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I have a quick question, hopefully. I just recently ordered some tree seedlings from the Missouri Conservation Department. Sure. And I haven't received them yet, but when I do, it, would it be better to put those in a pot and let them grow a little more, or is it okay to put them directly into the ground? Uh, you're probably you're going to get a clump of them, so I would do half and half. If you know where you're going to try to grow them, if you're going to grow them in a bed space or something like that, you know, just be sure that you're watching for mature size. But the other half I would put in pots for, with potting mix for starting plants. And okay. then with that pot, then dig, dig a hole and drop the pot down into the hole for the wintertime. Great, great. Okay, that answers my question. Great. Thank you. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's fine, but a lot of times, you know, with these... I mean, they're bare root, and I just, personally, I like to start things in pots versus in the ground with bare root stuff because it's much easier to control the watering and everything else in a pot as opposed to in the ground. So let's go now to Vivian, and she lives in St. Peter's. Hi, Vivian. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I have two questions. One, I think you were talking about that I was out turning my sprinkler on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I have dug up my um, iris and my tulips, and I, I'm thinking about putting them in a pot, and I wonder, I missed out on what you said. What what do I need to put in that pot? Use a potting mix for, you know, you just a regular potting mix for any of these bulbs. You're talking about, are we talking about bulb iris, or are we talking about tuberous iris? Uh, tuberous. Okay, so... Growing them in a pot, uh, it's a little bit iffy. How come you're putting them in a pot? Well, they just mess up all my other flowers. They, you know, <laughs> they're pretty when they bloom, but then they get 
right. ratty looking. Right. <laughs> Maybe you should just donate them to somebody. Like Gateway Greening or something like that. If you don't like them, you don't necessarily have to keep them. But, yeah, if you're going to grow them in a pot, you know, dig up the root. You know what it looks like and everything else. It grows virtually right on the surface. And just put them there, and you probably want a pot that's at least 24 inches across, depending upon how many you have. Okay. Well, I have hundreds of them, I know. Whoa. I've been digging and digging. But uh, the other problem I have, and I just don't know what I need to do about my zoysia this you know, this time of year, right? Because it's getting a lot of uh, invasive weeds, and it looks real dry. Um, and I don't know what procedure I need to take. I would just, you know, the post-emergent weed control is getting the effectiveness is getting more and more limited. I would just make sure that your zoys is well watered going into wintertime. I would be more concerned about that than I would in the next year. When the new growth starts and it starts greening up, also at that time, the weeds that are there are going to virtually start growing too. Then go after them with an herbicide. And during the wintertime, if you get bored, any of the weeds that are evergreen weeds, you can go out and just hand dig those. Okay. Uh, but what about corrading? No, no, no. Not on zoysia this time of year. Oh, okay. You'd only do that on the cool season. With zoysia next year, when it starts greening up, that's when you do it. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Certainly. And let's see if we can get Mick on the road again. Hi, Mick. Good morning, sir. Love the show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, two questions for trees. Um, we have an ash tree in the back. We love part the, you know, the partial shade we get on the patio, but I've noticed some boring in it. Um, doesn't mean it's an emerald ash borer, right? Right. Emerald ash borers attack the top of the trees, so you wouldn't even be able to tell they were there. That's how it became so invasive. Where the normal borers are in the lower you know, lower part of the trunk, yes. you see the frass and everything else. Yes, so that can be treated. Yes. Okay, great. I, I have someone coming to look at that next week and just wanted to make sure they weren't wasting a trip. Um, second question about a tree is my wife wants to plant a magnolia tree in the front yard. Is that a project this time of year, or should that wait till spring? No, you can as long as you get it in, you know, before we get to mid, you know, October or something like that. You should be fine. It's just going to be the availability in the garden centers. That's where the problem is going to be. Now, there's several different types of magnolias. There's sweet bay magnolia that blooms in the summertime. There's the star magnolia, which is flower. It's the first one to bloom. And then the saucer magnolia is the one that uh, has a purplish flower. So there's lots of different kinds of magnolias. Oh, okay. And typically they're going to get, what, 15, 20 feet tall? Yeah, it depends upon variety. And, of course, then there's the evergreen variety of magnolia, too. But, yeah... You know, the star magnolia is going to be the smallest one. The saucer, or the sweet bay magnolia, the one that blooms in the summertime, it's usually sold as a multi-trunked one. But most of them are sold as multi-trunked, not all of them necessarily. Okay, great. And then a um, couple long questions real quick. Did a backyard makeover, you know, bare spots in the lawn? I put some mix down under that ash tree, having great results with that. It's really popping up nicely. Right. Um so we have a lawn service. They're going to come out and do their winterization, I guess, and fall fertilization and this and that. Is that going to hurt that new grass? It shouldn't if it's well-established and everything else. So if it's been up growing and you've cut it a couple times, it should be fine. No, it's, it's like I just did it last week, and oh. I've got, you know, inch, inch and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, anything they do, 
could have an impact because it's so young. I mean, even regular fertilizing, which you would think shouldn't have an impact, but any newly germinated seed, it could have an impact on. So just forewarn them about that. Okay. And overseeding aeration is the time to do it on the fescue, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, 10-4. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank Great. you. Yep, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed to Jennings, and that's where Althea lives. Hi, Althea. Althea, are you there? Althea, are you not there? Nope. Let's go to Mike and Bell Fountain Neighbors. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good. Uh, you answered a couple of questions on the zoysia. Nothing until spring, basically. No fertilizer, no winterized uh, Scott's special. Nothing like that, no, Nothing because you could really spring. force some major damage. Okay, aerate and uh, thatch and all that stuff in the spring. Exactly. Gotcha. And secondly... Uh, now, one thing spring. with your zoysia, though, as we head into wintertime, you know, set your mower a little bit lower and cut it down to about uh, two to two and a half inches. Okay, set it down a notch or two. Right. Okay. Our dogwood trees have an inordinate amount of red berries, it seems like, this year. Is that an indicator of anything? That's an indication that this spring you had a large amount of flowers. So basically, that's just the fruit of the flowers being pollinated on the dogwood. Okay. Okay. Not anything bad with the thing? or No, no, not at all. It's a good like thing. That. Too bad you don't remember, or you didn't take a selfie with your dogwood. Uh, hey, I just my job is not to cut them down when I'm on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Sure, and don't let the weed eater whack on the trunk either. Let's go to Jill in Franklin County. Hi, Jill. Uh, yes, hi, Mike. Hi. I have a question about white flies on annuals, on annual flowers, of course. And uh, we've had a problem for two years on two of three pots. And we've tried Bayer 3-in-1. We've tried a number of products. And I guess with their life cycle or whatever, we can't eradicate them. Do they get in the soil? And if so, should I get rid of the soil this year? Or what What are your suggestions? Well, basically, are you bringing these pots inside? No. Really? So, and you're putting the same kind of plants in there? I am. I am. Are you getting the plants from the same place? I am. So I would say maybe that's kind of the problem right there because I don't think the white fly, you know, eggs can survive wintertime if you're leaving them outside or even in your garage unless you have a heated garage. Well, we do not have a heated garage, but we do have four plant planters, and of the four, it's always the same two. Yeah. So there's uh, – I would dump the soil in. Okay. And just watch, you know, and just make sure as soon as you start seeing them, go after them. And remember, with any kind of insect, you got to spray not only direct contact on that, but also you need to get rid of the eggs, which are probably in the, some of them are in the soil. Okay. And is there any one product you recommend over another, Mike? No. If it's, you know, pretty much there's so many different chemical companies. If they've got something that specifically says white fly killer on it, that should be adequate. Okay, thank you, Mike. Yep, and now let's go from Franklin County up to Overland. And, Don, how are you today? Good morning. Hi. Mike, we have about 15 or 20 rose bushes along our parking lot at church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look, well, I had a yard guy look at them, and he said they're sick. 
Uh, do you think if we would cut them back down and maybe they'd come back out of it, or what do you suggest? So, so he just said they were sick? That's what he said. Now, what, what makes him think you're th- they were sick? Well, they just don't look healthy, but here's the thing. They were not watered during this strike. Oh, <laughs> that's a desperate circumstance. I mean, the root system could be dehydrated, and there could be some major damage if we have a severe winter. So can anybody get out there and at least get some water on them now for, until winter actually gets here? Well, I guess we can, yeah. I yeah. would say water the root system. Certainly wait until the frost comes before you cut them back, and then just kind of keep your fingers crossed. Okay, but, and how far back can I cut them? Are these knockout roses, I'm assuming? Yeah, Yeah. I would say don't cut them more than halfway back. Although some people cut them down to about 15 or 18 inches. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, with anything that hasn't had any, you know, let's say watering during this. I mean, we had a really severe dry spell and we're still in it. I mean, when you think how long it's been since we've had any rain and we always see all that forecasting, possible rains, this, that and everything else. But water is crucial for the plant material. I mean, it's, there's just no getting around it. And especially if it's, they're running along a parking lot, that ground is very, very warm. That's dehydrating the root system, and that's just really, really tough on the root system. So good luck with that, Don. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, everything. Please, everybody get out there. That Any plant material that you really care about whether it's your lawn, your zoysia, whether it's a cool season lawn, whether it is, well, your water garden, you probably don't have to worry too much about watering that because it's in water. But for the most part, anything else, you should water. Keep the soil moist. Keep the root system moist because if you don't and we get any kind of winter, even if it's just an extra dry winter, that can be damaging even if there's only a couple days that are, let's say, severely cold. So thanks to everybody for calling in. And, uh, you know, again, the U2 concert has been canceled. So if you have any tickets for U2, no way. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.